Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. My name is Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? I'm loving it. We're finally back. <laughs> We're back a little bit, Switches. <laughs> well, we are still social distancing. Yes, this is uh, this is another quarantine edition, and I'm back from, from assignment with Al. I brought him back, and uh, we had a, a lot of fun doing nothing in my basement. And uh, I'm no longer with the girls of Punch the Trunk. Right. Formerly Sex with Candy. <laughs> uh, we are currently doing this, uh, you know, via video from our own homes. So apologize for any uh, maybe audio inconsistencies or glitchy soundings, uh, voices that, that may, may occur. But I think we'll, we'll make it happen. I think it'll be okay. Right. Uh, so today, Jeff, on this episode, what... What are we going to talk about? Like, what is quarantine talk today? Well, unfortunately, you know, we were going to be going outside, but we have been called back in, our state at least, so we're in California. We are now going back into quarantine. So we thought it'd be great to think about what kind of movies you can watch that never get old, things you can just watch over and over again. And to us, Marvel and Star Wars are those two types of movies. So we thought we'd compare the two. So we're going to go back and forth, comparing franchise to franchise, Star Wars versus Marvel. Which is better? Which is a better Academy Award franchise? And which franchise are just better movies when it comes to sitting around eating popcorn? Hmm. Two huge franchises, both owned by Disney. Well, I guess. Uh, now, yeah. Um, though I would say, you know, Star Wars non-Disney probably better than Star Wars Disney. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I get Marvel has more movies, right? I mean, I mean, there's got to be. Um, let's figure it out because you have to. I mean, you have to include all the Star Wars movies. You have to include. Um, you have to include Solo and. That's uh, right. <clears throat> you definitely have to include Rogue One. Rogue One, Solo, and um, the uh, Christmas special. <laughs> what the fuck? The Star Wars Christmas special. Are you not familiar with the Star Wars Christmas special? Uh, no, I think I missed that one, dude. Star Wars Christmas special is where Han and Chewie go to Chewie's uh, home planet or they're traveling to Chewie's home planet in order to get him there in time to celebrate Life Day. Well, that must have been when George Lucas was on the Booger Sugar. But I will say that Marvel, I think, has 23 movies in its canon, so that greatly outnumbers Star Wars. Yeah, true. 23 total films. Okay, but, I mean, that does not include uh, Deadpool or that series, correct? No, no, no. I think, I think we're talking just about um, the sort of Disney MCU Marvel movies, right? Sure. So honestly, Deadpool is one of the best Marvel movies. Agreed. I concur. Because those those aren't technically in canon except for the Star uh, the Spider-Man ones. Right? So those would be the only one like Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home would be ones that are in MCU canon, but they're not Disney holy. Yeah, they're Sony or whatever, right? Yeah, something like that. 
All right, well, we're going to jump into it. And to slim everything down, what we are going to do is we are going to, in this episode, just try and figure out the top three Star Wars and the top three Marvel movies. Because, you know, when people think of Switch the Envelope, they know we're the authority on uh, Star Wars and Marvel. Sure, sure. We've built up such a following that people think, who do I trust about movies? And they think Switch the Envelope. <laughs> Anyway, so we'll be thinking of the top three Star Wars movies and the top three Marvel movies. Now, I know a lot of you out there are going to have your your definite opinions. Yes. But fuck that. We don't care. Yeah, go get your own show. Because we are not here for the film reviewer people. I don't think I said that right. Uh, Corey, who are those film reviewer people? Uh, Like film critics? (laughs) (laughs) Cinematic (laughs) reviewers. But we will be figuring out the top three Star Wars and the top three Marvel movies according to our metric. Okay. Which one do you want to start with first, Star Wars or uh, Marvel? Well, Corey, for uh, you and me, Star Wars has always been a source of contention. So uh, I say Marvel, man. Let's, uh, Let's go Marvel. All right. All right. Marvel. You know, it's possible we could actually agree on Marvel. You know, well, Marvel presents an interesting sort of uh, like way to debate about movies. Like with Star Wars, you have, uh, you know, like three very clear cut trilogies that kind of stay within their own three as far as like tone and feel and quality. Right. With Marvel, every new franchise, uh, whether it's Captain America or Thor or Iron Man or whatever, um, they all have their own unique voices and unique looks. And then they all kind of come together and become the Avengers. And those movies have their own feel, their own looks, you know? So I I think, I think it can be more contentious with Marvel because, you know, if you really like the aesthetic of the Iron Man movies, it's very sleek and mechanical. um, Then you might not appreciate the sort of, you know, retro film vibe that like the original Captain America has. Right. Totally agree. You know, the Captain America, <clears throat> the first Avenger, what, yeah, I think that's the subtitle of it, um, is, is a really awesome film. And it has the vibe of, like, the Rocketeer, probably because the guy who directed the Rocketeer directed no fucking the Captain way. America movie. Yeah. How did I not know that? Because yeah, so it I feels... I love... Captain America First Avenger. It was it is one of my favorite movies. And when I was a kid, Rocketeer not only had Jennifer Connelly in it in one of her breakout roles, but the Rocketeer's great. The Rocketeer is also awesome. <laughs> yeah, that the Rocketeer was on our was uh, was on our quarantine movie list too. Uh and we still haven't gotten through it because of uh, a whole nother set of uh of issues. Um but that's one that we're definitely going to go back to. I I've seen it a bunch. It was one of my favorite uh, movies as a kid. As well, love the Rocketeer, and so when man, maybe they should remake the Rocketeer. You know, remake the Rocketeer. Uh, I think they they're doing. They did like a cartoon series on Disney Channel or something like that. Um, maybe Disney XD because it's like action. Uh, that is a new Rocketeer with a female, a little girl doing Rocketeer stuff. Animated. Yeah. So if you need your Rocketeer fix, there's a bit of that. It's an animated series, but I, yeah, I, I would I would love to see a Rocketeer revamp as a, a full movie. Sure. Um, but I, I was, I was super excited about, um, Captain America, the first Avenger. When I found that out, I was like, Oh man, is it like they got the right 
person to do that like 1940s go get them you know type of military film uh and it has that quality and it has that that nostalgia even though it was a new film uh you know and and the storyline is good and you, you really like fuck when bucky falls off that bridge you're just like no it was a really really powerful film i like i like the captain america series a lot there's there's a lot of cool cool little little gems in that movie the the way that like him trying to get drunk and he can't <laughs> also you got agent carter agent carter is in there you, you know the the sort of political statement that they were making about like how instead of using him as an actual like super soldier they were using him as a publicity device uh you know is to sort of like you know spread positive propaganda for for the war effort you know um was really interesting well i don't know who the casting director was who cast uh atwell for agent carter but she is the perfect image for that part she's great did you ever see the television show you know i never actually watched agent carter so the first season of that is is really good if you like her as agent carter you'll you'll really like the first season of of agent carter look look if if i know the show is going to be canceled i don't really want to be invested in it because i don't want to be let down you know super early because because then it just gets into this whole like relationship thing like i'm getting involved it's it's a one night stand television show kind of (laughs) like i'm invested in the show and now they're canceling on me and it just it just hurt it hurts you know (laughs) Well, the first season is uh, intended, was intended, I think, to be a one-off. So they tell a sort of like like a mini-series story in there. All right. Well, maybe I'll you check know. it out. So, all right. So you're proposing Captain America, the first Avenger, as a top three Marvel. Absolutely. For me, that is the best. Uh, that's the best one. That's got to be on the top three. I'm 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 with you. I love that movie. Um, I mean, as far as Academy Award worthy, it has some better acting in it. I don't know if it's, say, an Academy Award film. It's certainly a great popcorn movie. Sure. Some of the Marvel movies get super cheesy. <laughs> they can, yeah. I mean, they lay on the cheese. Yeah, I, I think some of those, um, it's this it's this thing where you, you accept some of the cheesier parts because you're so invested. Like, you're... There's 23 movies, man. If if you're like on movie 19 and they give you a like a corny curveball, you're you gotta just be like, well, look. Yeah, I mean, I watched every single Marvel movie over the last four weeks, and when I got to um, Thor Ragnarok, dude, I was like, it's some of this stuff that was in there was just a little too much to handle. I I had to I had to skip some stuff. You got you got superhero movie fatigue. I did. I had major SMHF. Superhero movie team. <laughs> I think they give you a lustra for that. I'm not sure though. Have to check. Yeah, right. But you know, the side effect you get the fatigue, then you take the medication, but then the side effect is compulsive gambling. Exactly. But you gotta you gotta weigh the options, you know? To lose lose, really. You might as well just watch one of the shittier Marvel movies. Yup. All right. I would like to uh to propose so like on my short list, I did have a Captain America movie. I love the original first Avenger, but the one that I had put on my short list was a movie that was more impactful to the MCU, and that was the uh, Winter Soldier. But you know, you you mentioned like as an Academy Award film. You know, is is it something that could stand up as a as a Best Picture? While Winter Soldier is like super 
important to the MCU and, you know, like the whole Hydra subplot that comes in and just turns everything on its head as far as, you know, the continuing arcs that, that we're, we're getting into and really sets the groundwork for all the things that are going to come uh, after it. As a movie compared to the first one, I think, yeah, that first one has more Academy caliber qualities. So I, I'm, I'm with you. So I'll, I'll scratch that one off my list. And then I will propose the best Iron Man for my money is Iron Man 3. You know, I just saw that movie for the first time, and I do not hate that pick at all. You don't hate it? Not at all. I liked Iron Man 3, and I actually liked it a lot better than Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 blows. Let's just yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. Iron Man 2 is the, like the worst, besides the ones that don't count in canon, like The Incredible Hulk and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Iron Man 2 is probably the worst Marvel movie ever made. Yeah, it's 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 because of what's his name? Um Mickey Rourke? Yeah. <laughs> Making some real big choices that were not good. Which is it's stupid because Mickey Rourke always brings a quality to most movies. He he I don't know. Yeah, I think he was just he was just trying too hard. He had like that Russian accent and he was just mean mugging the entire time and he's got weird looking fingers. I, I couldn't get over the weird looking fingers. Oh man. Now on my list I actually put Iron Man one as a better movie than Iron Man three. I think Iron Man one is actually a little better. It's it's my number two on my list. But you know, when I think about it, they're both kind of interchangeable. So, you know, they're both great movies. The only reason why I'd pick Iron Man one over Iron Man three is just because of the beginning. I think it's more dramatic. It also has the, the transformation of Tony Stark. You see the beginning where he's this playboy with millions of dollars and all he cares about is his money. And he goes into the desert and when he comes out of the desert, he is a changed man and he's trying to change his life and change his company. I think the villain also is different because in the first one, the villain is a typical, like typical villain. I think, I think the third one's a little more creative. They, they, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first Iron Man is really good. I think the... The Marvel movies in general suffer from uh, weak villains uh, as as character types, right? Like they're pretty transparent most of the time, and their motivations are fairly simplistic. Uh, you know, the the most like the best villain for me uh, is Michael Keaton in uh, Spider Man Homecoming um, as the Vulture. Vulture? I think that's what he is. Vulture. Um, I actually liked him better as the villain in Mr. Mom. His character actually has like good, good backstory and good motivation for why he's doing what he's doing. And it is one of the most like tense hero villain, you know, uh, scenes where, where he's realizing that when he's driving them to the prom and then he has, you know, his daughter get out and he, he's basically telling him like, look, I know, I know who you are and I will fuck you up. That's such a tense scene because Spider-Man, like Peter, what's his face? Parker. He, he knows the entire time. He's like, Oh shit. It's this guy. How, how did I not know that it was my date's father? And then through the course of that car ride, you're trying to figure out whether or not Michael Keaton knows that he's, spider-man or not and then he basically tells you like yeah if you if you cross the line i'll fuck you up kind of a thing and it's a really really beautiful scene and i think it's one of the best scenes uh one of the best sort of you know displays of a villain in a movie 
Well, you know, we, before we move on, we have to actually talk about a serious flaw in these fucking movies. Marvel has a serious problem with landing ships. In the end of every one of their damn movies, they take out a they, they level an entire fucking city just to take out like one villain. Like, like hello, like you can do it without leveling the entire city. All right, every single movie they level the whole city just to get one fucking guy or like a whole army, like in Avengers. But still, they level the whole city. It's ridiculous. Every single movie. I mean, that happens in the Transformers movies too. I think. It's uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that uh, CG buildings are easy to create. In <laughs> I mean, I mean that's got to have something to do with it because it got to the point when I was watching these these Marvel movies where I started laughing every time a building was getting demolished. Yeah, I mean, I mean the second Thor doesn't even wait to the end; it opens with that happening. I mean, I I'm thinking to myself, I just watched this in the last movie, and you're now opening with this shit. I mean. They they just they destroy a an entire city in the third Thor too. Yeah, they destroy they destroy a lot of buildings. Yeah, when I see a Marvel movie, I want to see it with with flowers. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, see that that kind of goes to the point of the motivation of Michael Keaton's character in in the Spider Man uh, Homecoming movie, right? He and his crew are part of the crew that has to go and clean up all this bullshit because superheroes like to fly around and crash into buildings, right? And so he, you know, he's he gets subcontracted to to come and clear out these disaster zones and then he finds the technology and he decides to like you know use that to his own advantage right he finds the sort of alien technology and uh and builds his sort of super his villain persona you know from that but he's he's opportunistic right uh-huh uh but he's living in the shadows of all that all that building destruction i think that's which was created by the avengers but Marvel, Marvel's good. I, I mean, I could, I could go either way on Iron Man or Iron Man three, you know, um, as well. Do, do you have a third one? I do have a third one. I love Ant Man for number three because I love me some Paul Rudd. Yeah, I strongly disagree. Ant Man is fun. Yeah, but I think the great thing about it is that it is a fun movie that does not take itself so seriously. I mean, you've got Paul Rudd as the lead. How? I mean, you never think of Paul Rudd as a as a Marvel superhero. That's why I like it. It's a fun movie. Uh, everyone can enjoy it. He is, he is pretty great as, uh, as Ant-Man. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I read my notes wrong. I actually meant Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, the second one. Sequel, yeah. Oh, okay. See, that one not as good because not enough Michael Pena. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. But Michael Pena was the star of the show, the first Ant-Man. Michael Pena, huh? He stole every scene. I, I don't... Every scene he was in. Michael Pena was great. What about Mr. Clifford Harris Jr. for T.I.? T.I. was fun. He was in almost every scene that Michael Pena was in. But he didn't steal those scenes. Michael Pena stole those scenes. Do you think the scenes. same thing about Gone in 60 Seconds? Oh, we're watching Ant-Man, and then all of a sudden Michael Pena comes on the screen, and we're like, Ant-Man who? This is a Michael Pena movie. It is very hard for me to disagree any harder than I am disagreeing right at this moment. Yeah, uh, the Ant-Man movies are fine. They're, I mean, all of the Marvel movies are fun. I, I don't think that there's... I mean, even the shittier ones, like, they're fun. I don't know. I mean, Ant-Man actually makes you think a little bit about science in the same way, I mean, don't get me wrong, in the same way that Back to the Future makes you think about science. It's not something that's, you're not going to learn, you know, quantum physics from the show, but you're going to actually think about science and time travel. But I believe it's one of the better You know, movies. like, there there are certain movies in, in, I mean, the ones that we talked about, right? Like Iron Man, uh, 
Iron Man 3 and the first Avenger, Captain America, like, yeah, they are all so fun because there's, you know, they're action movies and, you know, there's comic relief and then there's action parts. But there are, like, there's some real good dramatic threads that run through it that pay off emotionally at the ends of those movies, you know. All of those emotional sort of plot points make a lot of sense in, in both Iron Man and I, Iron Man 3, aside from Pepper Potts. Uh, all of the emotional ticks that, that come along the way where, you know, his way of life gets completely stripped down. It happens in both of those movies, if you, if you think about it. Like, in the first one, he gets captured and becomes a prisoner, and then he, through his own sort of um, ingenuity and, and will, you know, becomes a hero out of his darkest day of being in a prison. In the third one, they destroy all of his life, and he's left again to sort of pick back up and figure out how to, you know, really be the hero or fucking walk away with all of his shit in ruins. You know, they, they destroyed his fucking house. His house is gone. Wait, you mean a building was destroyed in an Avengers movie? I can't see that happening. They destroyed all of his shit, you know, and at the end, he makes that sacrifice of his own suits and stuff like that to, to um, be the hero that he needed to be at that time. So, like, they have really, really good emotional tugs the, this, this entire time. Uh, Ant-Man is fun. Um, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really, like, tap all of those things that would make it something that, like, the Academy would pay attention to. Cool. Um, so, for me, the one, and, and this is sort of like, if they made a Marvel movie the way that other people make movies, like, like we're, oh, we're trying to make an Academy Award film because we're trying to, like, put, like, high drama and uh, high stakes and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, lots of violin scores, you know, trying to get people to, to cry. Um, would, be, would be Endgame. You know, it's the culmination of, of the entire sort of MCU as we know, as we've known it so far. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, guys. Well, not just to, but, you know. Well, I mean, lots of people die, but then lots of people come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually referring to the people that die forever in the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's other people. Yeah, I mean, you know, coming back. Maybe. I, I mean, I guess the alternate version of her is coming yeah, back. Yeah, don't forget. Dead. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, all of those different subplots, too. Like, it's a long-ass movie, but they, I think... It's a long movie. It is so fucking long. But they had a lot that they had to get through. You know, um, and I think that they did a, a really nice job of sort of tying all of these little tiny uh, storylines together and having you feel like it, it was resolved with all of these these things. Well, I think I agree with you. And I think about this movie being a really great movie. I just had a problem with this movie because you can't watch this movie as a standalone movie. If you do, you're fucking lost. So you have to watch this movie with like after watching all the other movies before it or else you can't, I mean, you, it's impossible to watch it, which is the reason why I watched every Marvel movie. So I can understand it. You're going to run into that as well with um, movies that are, that are really based on a multiple movie arc, you know? Um, I mean, to an extent you have the same problem with star Wars. Yes, you do. Like just watching empire strikes back without having the new hope. Yeah. That, that would be a little odd. But we got to stay on Marvel because if we if we aren't careful, we're gonna jump right into into Star Wars, knowing us. Um, yeah, I, I, Endgame does have that. Uh, mm. Though I I think that they do. I think 
I think Endgame, like, I don't know, I have to go back and, and rewatch it now. I haven't seen it since, um, since it was first released back on. You know, I don't remember there being like a recap. Like, yeah, I feel like they did a pretty good job of like catching you up on everything that's happened because they have to go back through some of the events that happened in Infinity War. Man, I, the movie just starts with uh, Hawkeye with his family. Right. Uh, yeah, but the family just disappears and then the movie starts. Yes, but no, no, but they go back and Thor fucking lobs off his head. Like, they don't do like a recap of Infinity War. They don't go back and go through like the sequence of the movie. You know, like if you're watching like an episode of Law and Order and there's been a continuation. You know, they don't do that for Infinity War. They they do go go and touch on some of the events. I think enough that you could probably not have seen Infinity War and you'll kind of pick up the pieces. You you wouldn't know specifically, you know, sort of what happened, but you would know that okay, half the population just fucking vanished. We're in some sort of apocalyptic... You can't watch Endgame without seeing Infinity War. It would be just stupid. Uh, I mean, maybe. There's just too much missing in the story. Well, but, the, you know, there's, like, big chunks that you, you don't necessarily need for context to enjoy the start to finish. All right, well, Corey and I have our top three Marvel movies. Our top three Marvel movies are going to be Ant-Man. <laughs> just kidding, Corey. Our top three Marvel movies are going to be... Iron Man, Captain America, and The Avengers Endgame. Switch the Envelope is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> Just kidding. We're a free show. We're not, we're not, we're not sponsored. No, yeah, no. But we are brought to you by Riff Laugh Media. Riff Laugh Media, the only podcast network who doesn't care if you're listening. And we're back. Yes, we are. All right, so we've got our Marvel movies set. Our top three Marvel movies. We've got Endgame, Iron Man, and Captain America, the first Avenger. Let's drift into a galaxy far, far away and figure out which top three Star Wars movies. Yeah, and Corey, I think you and I are going to have a really hard time figuring out the top three movies between the two of us. In the Star Wars universe, because we've never agreed. Fewer movies. I, I think there's like <coughs> uh, 11 of these movies. Something like that. It's like half, half of the movies, but it might, it might be a little more contentious. <laughs> and just to lay down the law, we are not allowing Mandalorian into this list. Um, no, the Mandalorian is... I um, just realized my earbuds have been on backwards this entire time. Sorry. Oh, that, that's so much better. I can, I can hear so much better. Uh, and my ears don't hurt. <laughs> uh, no, I, no, Mandalorian's TV, TV show. So I don't think that that would be even eligible for the Academy Awards. Uh, similarly, the Star Wars special, the Christmas special, is, was a TV movie and would also not be eligible. Emmy Awards? Uh, Emmy, maybe, for a, you know, like one of those special categories of like a you know, TV movie or miniseries, you know. The Mandalorian would be like for best series. And actually, I'll be very surprised if it does not get a nomination for an Emmy for best outstanding series or whatever the fuck their category is. Um, because that fucking series is great. Well, one thing we need to talk about maybe in the next episode is who was a better pioneer in special effects because that is very important to both mm -hmm. franchises. Uh, the Marvel series and the Star Wars series, you're saying? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, a while ago, Martin Scorsese, you know, railed against uh, the Marvel movies. But there are, 
like technical advances that have been pushed forward because of the Marvel movies that made like his Irishman movie possible to do some of the is the Irishman. That's what it's called. Yeah. See, uh, made it possible for him to do like the de-aging and all that kind of stuff. Like that started, you know, in, in the sort of like the sphere of the Marvel movies that, you know, with uh, face swapping, uh, you know, Captain America's head on the scrawny guy and, you know, all that kind of stuff and making that all seamless. Uh, and then, you know, ILM just in general. Well, well, George Lucas with sound, you know, THX and with, special effects is uh unmeasurable it's like george lucas as a like filmmaker filmmaker is very mediocre and i might get a lot of hate tweets for that one but he's very mediocre as a film industry innovator he is the top i don't think anybody would argue with that you know what i'm saying like as far as uh pioneering special effects and sound design and editing and even like reinventing what the capabilities for blue screen were. I mean, all of these prequels, but anyway, going on to the actual films. Yeah. But before we go on the actual films, I need to just say one thing. I think that JJ Abrams is a very good director, terrible fucking writer and all the writing staff of the new films of the last three in the Skywalker Canon, whoever wrote those JJ Abrams being one of them are terrible. The writing of those films is terrible. I think we can safely say that neither of us put the new sequels, the new sequel, the sequel of three, neither any of those movies in our bid for top three. Well, for some reason, the the movies that are in the main chronology of Star Wars. Yeah. Episodes one through nine, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think J.J. Abrams should have let somebody else write those movies. You know, he does have a great resume with Gone Fishing and Armageddon. But maybe let somebody else write the movies for you, you know? There was another team that wrote Rogue One, and that movie was fantastic. Um, He didn't even direct Rogue One, and it was fantastic. Now, I don't think he's a bad director, because the Star Trek movies are amazing. But I think that for the last three Star Wars movies... It should have been handled a little differently, maybe written a little differently, because they just follow the same storyline of every other Star Wars movie. They don't even have any new shit to present. Ray flies the Millennium Falcon the whole time, and it's just, I don't know, got boring. I don't have as strong uh, an aversion to them as you do. I enjoy the fuck out of them. Um, well, you and I are completely different when it comes to that those movies. And Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, can suck a big batch of freshly made banana balls because they gave them a 93% rating. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the ride, but I understand the flaws. This is like logic things that are, are kind of weird. Like, how is it that like every 10 years people just forget that the Jedi exists. Like, I don't don't understand that. It happens from the prequels to A New Hope. Like, so New Hope sort of sets up a thing, but then when they go back and they do the prequels, like, in one generation, we've now forgotten that Jedi exist again. Well, they all went into hiding, man. To get to New Hope. And it was like, what? Wait a minute, what? No, like, they they were like a real mega force for... Like, they're a huge part of the history of what the Empire became. 
uh, now people just forget that they that they exist, and then and then again the same thing sort of happens from the middle trilogy to the new trilogy, uh, where people are like Harrison Ford has to go, no, it was all real, all of it, and you're like, what? Yeah, of course, it only just happened, fucking. Like, yeah, and also um, like a generation ago, like it, it's like if something that happened for our parents significantly like uh like civil rights marches like martin luther king and and all of all of the civil rights leaders and stuff by the time we became adults we'd completely forgotten that they all existed but some of us have heard tales of these mythic civil rights leaders what no like that's in, it's ingrained in in everything around us you can't live on a planet where there's devastation from a war in which jedi were apart and think <laughs> like ah oh, it's just a myth you know what I mean? Like it, it just seems like what? Yeah, it's um it's like today if we forgot about World War Two. Yeah. And uh and World War One. World War Two is even further back. Yeah, like if we like forgot about Desert Storm or something. Or, or yeah. Vietnam or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I mean, they are covering a lot of space and I guess stories. No, but that's the whole point. There is so much space. Why do they only have one story? Every story is Empire, Big Gun, Destroy Planet, Bring Jedi Back from Dead. That's their only friggin' plot. Well, I, I th that's what they're going to be doing from here on out. I think they wanted to sort of close the book on this one story. Yeah, yeah, but the difference between Star Wars and, and Marvel was that Marvel had to stick to kind of a guideline from the comic books. Star Wars never had that guideline. They never had those that canon, like you always say, they never had those comic books out, you know, f from the 40s. So they could have done whatever they wanted. They had an entire universe, they had, entire they had all of space, any planet they wanted to design to create this world. But they stuck to a couple of planets. I mean, they, they even kind of got, got rid of all the books and all the, I mean, they had books upon books from Star Wars. They kind of didn't even explore that. And they just did the exact same plot in every movie for nine movies. And it was always the same plot. And it, it just, they weren't creative enough, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah D Disney came in and basically said, all of your expanded universe stuff, none of that matters. None of it fucking matters. Uh, we're just going to go with what you can see on, uh, on a DVD or a Blu-ray and go from there. Yeah, basically. Uh, look, they could have handled it better. They, they could have taken a million different different choices, but they chose to reboot the franchise to reboot the first one over and over and over again well yeah but i mean they, i mean they did the same thing in in the first trilogy too they made a second death star it was like okay <laughs> you know there's the first death star that they blow up in the first film and then the second film there's another death star and it was like okay yeah that's what i said it they they didn't have any originality to the series oddly enough the the movies with the most originality, and I'm purely speaking from their storytelling, seems to be the first three. We're going to disagree with you. There's so many other problems, but Hayden Christensen being one giant problem. But when it comes to the plot of the film, they're pretty solid. He gets, he gets a lot of shit, and it's not entirely his fault. <laughs> I don't know. I think it is. I mean, when you watch that film, uh, he's pretty shitty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've it seen is. it. His acting is awful. Yeah, his acting doesn't help. And part of that is that George Lucas uh, took the helm and he does not 
he's not good at getting performances. All right, well, um, let's skip the bullshit and all the geek talk about Star Wars and just jump into our top three. Corey, give me one, and we'll see if we agree on what your first one is. So first one, OG, New Hope. Yep, it's on my list. It's uh, first one. It was actually nominated for an Academy Award that it didn't win. It's a, it's a glorious film, um, you know, to really sort of set, set the tone for new special effects, not even, not even just that. Um, it has a great score. Uh, the cast is irreplaceable. Um, you know, I don't, you cannot imagine anybody else stepping into any of those people's shoes. I mean, partly because the, the film series has become so I- iconic over the years, but I mean, realistically speaking, you go back and look at that film, like who's, who, who would do a better job? Like, would it, would it be better? No. Well, what if we put Sylvester Stallone as Han Solo? <laughs> Could it possibly be worse? Yes. With him? They did a great job with that core group of people and their chemistry, really making that, that, uh, that movie work. Say definitely New Hope. Yeah, unlike the Marvel Universe, Star Wars all started with one movie, and you wouldn't have anything else if New Hope hadn't started at all. So I would say that you have to have, at least when making our list of the top um, movies in this universe, the Star Wars universe, Star Wars New Hope tops the list. Not to mention, it's just a fun movie. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in, in the realm of like how we rate our films, like rewatchability, the, the ability to, to go back and see a film because it's great. And even if you know the twists and turns, it doesn't matter because the story and the adventure that you're going to go on uh, is so compelling that it, you know it doesn't matter that you that you know all the lines and, and whatever you're still going to watch it you're still going to enjoy it yeah you're still going to sit at home and you're going to quote the movie along with the movie to all your favorite parts all right so next on the list we got what you got jeff as far as a movie that could be academy award worthy and a movie that's just a great star wars movie i'm going to say rogue one Ooh, you're stealing my th- my my third. Absolutely, Rogue One. I thought you were going to say I'm stealing your thunder. <laughs> I like the fact that this movie breaks from the typical script, and although it's still big ship, big gun, shoot planet, uh, it's it's got a great ending. It is the oh. cool the coolest Darth Vader sequence in any Star Wars oh, film. Oh man, it replaces the cheesy one from the first one and makes it awesome. You know, it, it's it's interesting. You, you know, when you go back and watch the original trilogy specifically <clears throat> Darth Vader and the sort of terror of Darth Vader is kind of like, there's not a, there's not a ton there, right? Like he only has like eight minutes of screen time in the original, original film. Right. And when you think about that, you're like, what? Like the story is about fucking Darth Vader, you know, like it, he's, he's our big bad. He's, he's the big villain. And they, you know, they do a good job in that, in that original trilogy of really making you feel like he's a menacing presence and that he's this all-powerful fucking wizard guy. <laughs> Star Wars people are going to be furious that I called him a wizard. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's this menacing presence, but he doesn't do a ton. Like, he has the force choke on, on the, you know, on the ship. And um, he's got that James Earl Jones voice, and he's, he's got a presence. And there, there are a few lightsaber battles here, here and there, but you don't really get to see him be like this super badass dude. It's all in our minds, right? It's all stuff that we assume is happening off screen based off of how they've set him up. It's sort of like uh, 
you know, he's like the Bruce from Jaws, right? You don't see him a ton, but the entire film, you're like, where is he? The fuck is he doing? Uh, he's scary. You know what I'm saying? Um, Rogue One actually gives you a solid, like, six minutes of him destroying dudes. You know? And it's so awesome that he finally gets his, like, screen time that you didn't know that you were missing. But when you when you actually look at the footage of you know of Darth Vader throughout all these films, like that is the most badass Darth Vader sequence in the entire series. Agreed. I mean, they did the same thing for Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, you'd never seen Yoda do anything other than like mind trick people and and training. And then in Revenge of the Sith, all of a sudden Yoda is engaged in these epic battles, and you see him with a lightsaber actually fighting. And I remember being in the in the theater. And seeing everybody just cheering at the screen. And I think Rogue One did the same thing for Vader. Okay, but anyway, let's move on to uh, our third pick. So in my opinion, Return of the Jedi is the best Star Wars movie. But I have a feeling that, uh, Corey, I know know you're not going to want to do Return of the Jedi. I think you're going to do Empire Strikes Back as your top pick. Yeah, I think Empire is a... a a deeper film, you know, uh, and is more deserving of, you know, sort of being considered a Oscar contender or, or whatnot. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, Empire Strikes Back is also where we get a lot of the things that we hold very true to uh, Star Wars lore and the sort of mythos of, of Star Wars. You know, you get Well, your- yeah, yeah. That's where you get your Yoda. That's where you get... All of the fun stuff, all the fun stuff that people know that don't even watch Star Wars comes from. I am your father, yeah. <clears throat> all, all of that stuff. The, the real meat of the Star Wars saga, it, it happens in Empire Strikes Back for sure. You know, and it re- really sets up a lot of the characters that we know and love, uh, some of the side characters that we don't get to know so much, but we love, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that of the of the entire saga empire is probably the most important film yeah yeah i can see that definitely characters and 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 like what they're setting up in the story um even more so than a new hope you know but new hope is this it's its own little gem of a of a movie that stands on its own if they had never made another star wars film we would still be revered yeah and this is why i have a kind of a problem with the way the last three were were handled, because when you go to Disneyland and you see that Galaxy's Edge, what you're seeing is all of the remnants of the first three films, four, five, and six. They haven't pumped any new blood into those films, into that franchise. Everything you see, it, it could it's like that you could have had that park built in the 70s. And nothing would have changed. There's nothing new about that park from the first three films. They've never done anything different with that series. They haven't pumped any new life into it. There's no new characters. I mean, damn, Ray in the last film was driving a fucking Millennium Falcon with Chewbacca. I mean, they couldn't think of anything new to add to Star Wars. Even the prequels had new life brought into them when they were developing the clone wars when they brought in new characters i just thought the last three were just plain old fucking lazy yeah it, it's weird like the <clears throat> for me the, the prequels did you know a good job of setting up 
more avenues for great story. I don't think that the prequels themselves were great stories. You know, it's funny. I recently watched the 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 whole series um, a few months back. Just just before we all went into lockdown, we 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 tend to to go through these these chunks uh, with the family where we like pick a series and then watch the whole thing, uh, like you were doing with the Marvel movies. And uh, when we did it with with Star Wars and we watched the the Phantom Menace, you know, there there are things that are happening as far as like people gripe about some of the, the sort of events that happen, you know, the pod racing and <clears throat> some of the other, the other things. I think the events are fine. The movie is just poorly told and the overall story is just weak. Well, as always, we will agree to disagree on Star Wars. But we will uh, leave it there because we have picked our movies. We have picked the top three for Star Wars, and we picked the top three for Marvel. For Star Wars, we picked Star Wars A New Hope. We picked Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. And we picked Rogue One. That's Team Star Wars. Yes, that's Team Star Wars and our battle of the franchise. For our Marvel movies, we have Captain America, The First Avenger, Iron Man, and The Avengers Endgame. On our next episode, we'll be deciding which movie is the most Academy Award worthy. And uh, Corey, are we are we deciding on how how are we doing that? Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to use our patented metric. Oh man, I haven't heard those words in so long. I've been waiting to hear the patented me- patent man. Fuck, <laughs> patented metric. Yeah, we're going to score them on our five finger scale, and uh, we'll probably determine which of those uh, you know if there's some five fingers you know here and there. Um, if there's multiple ones, then they would be held in, in sort of equal accord uh, as far as like the individual ranking of all six. But then we'll probably take the cumulative <clears throat> um, or do you want to do a bracketed system? Ooh. Ooh. We could I, do a, I, I, I really like the bracketed system. Yeah, where we pit one Star Wars film against one Marvel film. And then uh, the winner of that moves on to the next bracket. Well, well, there was no March Madness, so maybe this will be our March Madness. You think? You know? I think we also have to do uh, another film from each category. Why? Because <laughs> I don't think we can do a bracket with six. Somebody's getting a buy on either side. All right. Well, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll get back to the. We'll get. We'll we'll send it out. The switches. Yeah, so look out for the bracket to hit our Instagram at switch the envelope. <clears throat> uh, likely on our Twitter as well at switch envelope. Uh, of course, you can always go to switchtheenvelope.com for all your switch the envelope needs. Like and subscribe to us wherever you hear us or wherever your friends have told you to hear us. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, leave us a leave us a review. You know. All right, so we will see you next week. Later, Switches. The following was a Riff Laugh production.